just a moment, we'll be uh, turning to John chapter 6 in the Scripture, John chapter 6, and beginning with uh, verse 60, reading the Scripture. And as we're turning to the Scripture this morning, I uh, was thinking we have certainly been in a spirit of renewal and revival a time of refreshing in the life of uh, this church community. And uh, within that uh, whole uh, world of revival, um, there are moments where there are those who want to testify to the reality of what God is doing in their lives. And uh, I wanted to ask this morning if there would be one or two who would say, Pastor, this morning I, I have a word that I want to share of what God is doing in my life or the life of my family. And I want to testify to the reality of what He is doing in my life, that it is real, that it is up to date. Would there be someone this morning who uh, would love to just share from your heart testimony. Amen. Praise His name. Someone else this morning. Just uh, feel that God is doing a work. Patty. Thank you, Patty. Praise the Lord. Encouraging words. Somebody else. Maybe they're just one more that just feel like, you know what? Uh, if he asked one more, the third, that would be me. But if he doesn't ask, I'm not going to share. So maybe you're the third this morning. Someone that is the third that wants to share this morning. Word of praise. Testimony. Okay, we're not going to... Okay, <laughs> all right, there you be. 
Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, brother, you, you kind of helped start uh, the thought process for where we're going this morning. Praise be to God. Well, we're beginning, going to be turning to the Scripture here in John chapter 6 and reading from verse 60 to uh, uh, verse 68. And kind of the question that we're going to be asking in the next few weeks is this question, what, what will it take? And, and the question we're going to ask this morning to fill in the blank of what will it take will, will seem like kind of a, a negative uh, approach to this first message. But, but I think we need to ask that question this morning, and, and, and soon we will ask that. Uh, uh, a few weeks back, um, we were out as a family, and, and I'm not sure if you've ever been around... Uh, uh, different large events. There sometimes uh, in in those events there are these uh, different booths with uh, different individuals trying to at least uh, sell something or make you aware of something. And uh, there was this one booth that was very interesting, and it, it had kind of a, a, a tarp uh, type of top. It was a nice booth, and, and you could tell by the the appearance of the booth that. Uh, there were uh, individuals in camouflage in, in that booth. And just outside of the booth, there were people who were doing uh, push-ups. And so there was uh, obvious curiosity uh, for Jonathan and myself as we walked by this booth. And uh, we wondered why everybody was doing push-ups outside of this booth. And we discovered that uh, it was the army booth. And they uh, wanted to see how people could uh, do push-ups and how many push-ups they could obviously do. And, and if you could do so many push-ups, you would uh, get uh, different kinds of prizes. And uh, if you know anything about uh, Jonathan, you, you know that uh, he, uh, he kind of likes to do a little bit of uh, workout from time to time. And he likes to uh, uh, work, uh, work out and... Uh, he thought, uh, obviously, this would be a great opportunity to uh, win a prize and uh, maybe uh, show a little style, I guess. And uh, it came his turn, and uh, he, did, uh, he did lots of push-ups. Um, you, you can ask him uh, later on today. I believe he'll be here at second service or if he's uh, in between services. You ask him how many push-ups he did. And so he, he did lots of push-ups. Now, after he did his push-ups, uh, he went over to get his, uh, his prize, and he had actually, because he had done so many push-ups, he was able to get two prizes. Um, one was an army t-shirt, the other was uh, some army dog tags, and they actually put his name on those dog tags, and his mom was a little concerned of, about that, obviously, with his name on army dog tags, and, and so uh, when, when he did so well, they, they uh, decided immediately that they would like him to sign some papers. They, they asked him to fill out some paperwork and see if he, um, he would be interested in uh, making an application, and he said, well, I, I, I think before... Uh, I would want to do any signing of anything. I, I would want to think about that. And they uh, said, I, I think I can find you. <laughs> and, and with 
anything generally if you go to a, an army recruiting base or a Navy recruiting uh, uh, place. You, you will find out that there are opportunities and there are incentives to, to signing up. Uh, there are times where there are uh, bonuses as well. If you uh, sign now, you'll get uh, perhaps a, a $5,000 bonus. And uh, there are those incentives that would urge you to make that decision. Some, some will say they'll pay up to $50,000 of your college bill. And there are those special invitations to join now. And yet, with those incentives... For anyone who has been a part of our military and we salute you and we thank you. When you sign up, when you make that commitment to become a part of a military. Can we really fully fathom or count the cost? Do we really know the cost that it will mean when we join. And so the question that we, we want to ask this morning, uh, can we count the cost? And then we'll add a little bit of extra onto that in just a moment. Verse 60 of chapter 6 of John. Could we read the word this morning standing together? On hearing it, And obviously, uh, on hearing it, we have to go to a few of the preceding verses on hearing it, on hearing this teaching. Many of Jesus' disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this Offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where He was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are Spirit and are life. Yet, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe, and who would betray Him? He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to Me unless the Father has enabled Him. And from this time, many of His disciples turned back and no longer Followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And perhaps he asks us that question too. You do not want to leave me too, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? One of you is, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe 
and know that you are the Holy One of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You may see it. The question, what will it take? What will it take to break you and make you turn your back on Jesus Christ? Don't usually ask that question, do we? (laughs) We ask about the cost. We ask about what it will take to follow Jesus Christ. But we often do not ask the question as Jesus somehow asked it. You will not leave me too. You will not leave me to follow another. What will it take to break you and make you turn your back on Jesus? This morning, I'd like to uh, note seven things, and there probably are more, scripturally speaking, that would be enabling forces, influences that would have a forbearance or an impact on our lives that we would want to, in any way, turn our back. On Jesus. But the first thing that I would like to say this morning is that there are good things. There are good things that can be enabling forces that would enable us to turn our back on Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? Good things. I thought of a few. Sometimes a a good thing is to get a really good scholarship. It it might be a scholarship that one has received because they have been uh, very intelligent. It may be a scholarship that one has received because they are a sportsman or a sportswoman. A scholarship that has enabled them to, to succeed. And the scholarship has been that which has been a blessing, but eventually it becomes a distraction from where we have been going in following Jesus. Oh, it might be a raise in salary. It might be a promotion. It might be something that is really good. And the really good has been that which has turned our focus off from Him who is Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord of our lives. Uh, Why why do I say that? Uh, Good things could actually turn our focus from Him. Well, The proverb writer, chapter 30 and verse 8, the proverb writer, he prays a prayer. And as he prays his prayer, he says, God, please do not allow me to live in poverty in which I might steal. And please, God, do not give me great riches so that I do not end up 
disowning you. The, the good things, God's good things, obviously, that can lead to distraction. And that distraction that at times can live, lead to busyness. And that busyness that can lead to compromise. And that compromise that can lead to mediocrity. And that mediocrity that can lead us to a slippery slope where we might fall down. Good things. What will it take to make you turn your back on Jesus Christ? Well, secondly, it might be a mentor. It might be a hero. It might be someone who is special to you who eventually lets you down. Have you been there? Have you experienced a person who you believe to be godly? A mentor? An example? And they let you down? It could be just simply uh, someone uh, who, who talks behind your back and you thought uh, they would never do that. And Paul gives the illustration of the church in Corinth. Many different examples of the church in Corinth of those who were letting one another down by their example. And obviously, Paul was speaking to that poor example that that example would be changed. But the reality in our world is that there are people that we believe to be godly and they are mentors in our life and they have let us down. And folks, there probably will be a moment in the life of this church. I'm going to let you down. <laughs> I pray that I don't let you down. I pray that I don't let you down in such a way that you would turn your back. On Jesus Christ. When Mary Lou and I were on the island of Reunion, on two separate occasions, we, we had to have temporary housing. We uh, rented an apartment for one week from this particular lady. And the following week... Uh, the apartment was not available, but she had another place in which we could rent. And uh, because we had rented the one week with her, we got to know her a little bit. And uh, we, we talked to her on the second occasion of renting the, the other place. And uh, she was asking the, the obvious question because we didn't speak uh, their kind of French. Uh, we were speaking a new kind of French. And uh, she was wondering why we were... On her little island, and we, we explained that we had uh, come to uh, begin the, the work of a church, a uh, plant there, and that we were, were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I, I, I said to the lady, I said, um, where, where are you at in, in your relationship with God, Jesus Christ? Her, her expression changed quickly. 
there was a mix of sadness and a mix of hardness on her face. She was a 40-year-old woman by this time. She said to me, I will never go back to the church ever in my life. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of one who likes to know why. <laughs> I said, ma'am, what happened? She said, when I was 18 years old, I was in a class being taught the Scriptures. There was a moment I was all alone with the one who was the head of that local congregation, that parish. And he came and he made advances towards me. And he touched me in an inappropriate way. In a way that a man of God should not and would not do. And if the church is going to be like that, I don't want to have anything to do with God. And I certainly don't want to have anything to do with the church. Obviously, my heart was broken. I said to her, ma'am, madame, je te prie, I ask you to listen to me. I am so sorry for what a man of God did to you or what this evident man of God lived out before you. Nowhere do I understand in my Bible or in the Scripture that we would live in such a way. I am sorry I ask you forgiveness for what the church has done to you. And I pray that once again, in the time of God, that you will become reacquainted with a Jesus who cares above and beyond all of your needs. A change took place in her expression. I hadn't committed the crime. The crime had taken place over 20 years ago. Her demeanor changed. And she said something to the effect that I will think about it. Would it be that someone 
a mentor? Someone that you count on? Would be that catalyst for turning your back on Jesus? Or maybe it's this. God does not meet your expectations. You see, in in John chapter 6 here, in verse 52 through 59, Jesus was teaching about drinking His blood and eating His flesh. That's what the Scripture says here. He was speaking to the fact there will come a time that there is only one way to God. It is going to be through the cross. It is going to be through the brokenness of Jesus Christ and His shed blood for our sins that unless we look that way and accept that way, there is no other way to be saved. It's a hard teaching. But it is the right teaching. I I have never actually, literally, drank the blood of Jesus Christ. This this blood that comes out of the veins. I have never, never literally eaten His flesh. But I have come to His communion table... Because I have accepted what He has done on the cross, His blood, His broken body for my sins. I have come and I have remembered what He has done for me. I have come to that communion with you and I have found eternal life in Him. But there are moments that Jesus may not meet our expectations. Would it be that because He does not meet your expectations that... You might, or you could consider turning your back upon Him. When He doesn't answer that prayer that you have prayed, or ask for that healing that you have requested, Mary Lou's mom, cancer, She prayed, many prayed. She was healed. Thanks be to God. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Praise be to God. Ten years later, Mary Lou's mom has cancer one more time. People pray. She prays. She dies. She goes to heaven. Thanks be to God. It wasn't exactly the request that was of Mary Lou and her family for her mom the second time through as well. But would it be that because God does not answer that particular prayer or that heart need that it would be that which takes you to the place of breaking and turning your back on Him? Or might it be this, the cost is just too great. 
Jesus says to take up your cross and follow him daily. Luke 9.23, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German pastor, scholar, theologian, said salvation is free, but discipleship will cost your life. It first came out on the 29th of October of this month, of, of last month. Associated Press reported Iranian house church pastor Yosef Nadakarhani is facing the death penalty because he has refused to convert to Islam. If he would, it would save his life. Indakahani was arrested in 2009 for the crime of apostasy, uh, apostasy because he allegedly abandoned Islam for Christianity. As a pastor, Iranian clerics believe that Indakarni was preaching in order to convert other Muslims to Jesus Christ. Before his last hearing on Wednesday, Nadakarni has been given three previous chances to repent. And all three times he has refused after his final refusal Wednesday, no verdict had been announced, but many expected that he would be put to death as soon as this last Friday. The judges in the case demanded that Indicarni recant his Christian faith before submission of the evidence in court. When asked to repent, Indicarni stated, Repent means to return. What should I return to? To the blasphemy that I had before my faith in Jesus Christ? The judge replied, recant to the religion of your ancestors, Islam. And Carney said, I cannot. I cannot. I cannot. What will it be? Will the cost be so great that it would break you? Turn your back on Jesus. Well, maybe it would be this, that there's just a better package. A better package. A better deal. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, that Demas who had been a follower, a disciple, loved the present world. And he deserted his following of Christ. Friends, the, the world is a pretty exciting place. It will offer you a lot of great deals. A lot of great opportunities. Deals that may seem to be Exceptional for the moment, <laughs> but will leave us hungry and wanting. What will it take for you to break and turn your back on Jesus Christ? Well, maybe it's a new teaching. A new teaching. It may appear to be biblically based at times. A number of texts that are brought together as a puzzle and seem to be a great new gospel. It may be a, 
a scientifical study or a hypothesis that is presented as truth and it pushes God out of the picture. It okays sin. This last week I read that 59% of evangelical youth between the age of 19 and 29. Folks, 59% of evangelical youth between the age of 19 and 29 turn their back on God and the church. One of the reasons is they believe that God is not a part of the picture. You push God out of creation, you push God out of your life. You push God out of being the creator of all things. You have no one to be responsible to but yourself. Friends, we need to understand that we have a creator God who goes above and beyond any hypothesis. September 3rd of 2008, NBC News. A new study. Researchers are finding, according to the Karolinsky Institute in Stockholm, Sweden, a correlation between genes and men who cheat their mates. The gene variant is present in two out of every five men. 20%. And if you have it, The study shows you're more likely to be prone to marital dysfunction. If you have two copies of this gene variant or allele, you're twice as likely. If a man lacks a gene variant, they're more likely to be a devoted male or devoted mate. And so, if you believe the scientific evidence, you're okay. Because God made you that way to be unfaithful. To your mate. (laughs) Will it be a new teaching, a new hypothesis that will bring into question the word of God, his authority in our lives, and we will turn our back or our backs will be broken and follow that which is not after Christ. And last is this. Simply this. Being tricked. Being tricked. Friends, if I know anything about Satan, the devil, his specialty is lying and accusing. I can almost imagine you have been accused by Satan in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart this week in some way, some manner. Satan is very good at what he does. He has a specialty. It's called accusing and lying. He can accuse you. He can abuse you. And with the accusation, bring about discouragement, dismay, giving in, giving up to this, the accusation. He is the father of lies, as the Bible says. He will share with you everything he can, false. He will even give you a false understanding of holiness. He will say, because you are holy, you have finally arrived. There's no work more to be done. (laughs) 
My Bible says if you think you are standing strong, or if you think you have arrived, take heed. Be careful lest you fall. What will it take to turn your back on Jesus Christ? What will it take, let's change it around, to continue following Jesus? And verse 56 here says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Maybe we don't like the terminology. Our world is kind of into vampires and werewolves. His terminology means this. He wants to flood you with all of himself. He wants to flood you with his life. He wants his life to be in you and your life to be in his. He wants to be your all in all. The scripture means this. May Christ be fully formed in me. And so I ask you this morning, is Jesus real to you? Is he up to date in your life? Are you following Jesus right now? Is he, is he the, the king superior in your life? Is he Lord of lords? And is he that king of kings? Is Jesus real in you?